to the Be A Better Ally podcast. I am really pleased to introduce you to Nadine Thornhill. If you don't know her, if you've not come across her amazing uh, YouTube channel, she is host of Sex Ed School. Um, she is at Nadine Thornhill on Twitter. We're going to link to all of her profiles, to her website, and to, uh, again, that YouTube channel that I mentioned, because it is such an outstanding resource uh, for educators as well as for parents out there who are listening and thinking, I want to make sure that the sex education that my child receives is inclusive of all the types of people who exist. There were really a few things that inspired me. One of them was an experience or experiences I had in university, which is where I think a lot of people really start to make discoveries about their own sexuality. And the discovery that I made was really just how transformative and reassuring it could be to have a group of peers who were open about their own sexual experiences. Up until then... Um, you know, my parents were, or at least my mother was fairly willing to give me information if I asked, but I still didn't really have any real world knowledge about what sex was like for other people in my life. Um, and so when I found this group of friends who were really open and they were able to talk about their sexual experiences, it made me realize that A, it was okay that, you know, I didn't have sex like everybody else because there was really no such thing that, you know, we were all sort of doing different things, had different desires, had different boundaries. And it also really helped to just normalize the idea of being a sexual human being. So that was one of the things that inspired me to want to open up conversations around sexuality. The other thing that inspired me to want to be able to reach youth is that I realized in retrospect that if I'd had a real solid foundation and a real solid understanding of things like, you know, just having a body, like my, my own anatomy, if I'd had an understanding of, you know, what do positive relationships look like, if I'd had an understanding of, you know, what is pleasure? And again, beyond like not just sexual pleasure, but you know, what is it feel like to feel good in my body or to feel good about something or about someone if I'd had more of a grounding in you know the fact that there are diverse identities that there are diverse relationship structures all of that that it would have saved me a lot of heartache and I could have avoided some of the bigger mistakes that I think I made navigating my own sexuality when I was old enough to sort of start having sexual relationships and really, you know, having sexual feelings and all of those things. And so I thought, you know, I think maybe the one of the best ways to really try to reduce a lot of the sexual shame and stigma in our culture is if people don't have to go through their lives with sexual shame and stigma. Um, if, you know, right off the bat, we're like, hey, sexuality is a normal thing that we can talk about. And so I was like, well, that would have to happen when people are kids. And so that is what inspired me to really want to work with parents and other educators, because while I myself can, you know, go into classrooms and talk to other people's kids, you know, I can only be there for, you know, a couple of hours or maybe a day, whereas a teacher is with their class for 
you know, nine, 10 months of the year. And a parent is with a child for years and years and years and years. And teachers and parents will have a much better sense of what an individual child's needs are, what their capacity is for understanding. And so it was like, if I can sort of educate the educators, be they family educators or be they teachers, then I think I can have a much larger impact than just trying to do it all myself because I'm just one person. Nadine, I'm wondering of the many amazing resources that you are sharing, which one do you think is your personal must-see for today's educator and why? So I have a resource on my YouTube channel. It's actually a series of videos. It's called hashtag save sex ed. The reason I created this video is because last year, the provincial government in Ontario where I live wanted to repeal and replace the sex ed components of our health and phys ed curriculum. And those components had been updated in 2015. It was a relatively comprehensive sex ed program that started in grade one with just, you know, making sure children knew the names of all their body parts, including their genitals. And it was a really, it was a decent program. And so the thought that it was going to be potentially lost and replaced with something that was less comprehensive, which seemed to be the direction the government was leaning in, was alarming to me. And then I realized, hey, I'm a sex educator. I know this material and I have a YouTube channel. And so what I did was I decided that I was going to preserve the 2015 sex ed curriculum or the sex ed components of the health and phys ed curriculum by creating videos that covered each of the um, each of the learning mandates in the grade one to grade eight uh, health and phys ed curriculum. And so for every learning objective that is in our curriculum, I created a video with sample lessons for teachers. Um, and then I did a little amendment where I said, okay, well, if you want to do this in your home because you're a parent, like here are questions you, you can ask or here is how you can adapt it. And so they're fairly quick videos. Like they're between maybe five and 20 minutes, I think is the longest one. But it's a great place that teachers can go or other educators can go and just pull lessons or pull conversation prompts if they want to take them into a classroom or take them into community group or even take them into their own home. So sometimes we hear pushback around the idea of engaging young students in conversations about sex ed. What might you say to the skeptic who thinks this is uh, inappropriate? The first thing I would say is that it's understandable that we as adults have a great deal of reticence around talking about sexuality with younger kids. First of all, the word sex is in sexuality. So people may have the impression that, well, when you're talking to sexuality about, when you're talking about sexuality with young kids, what you're talking about is sex, like partner and sex, how to do it. Which is not really the case. I mean, I think with young kids, it's worth having the conversation about sex as it relates to conception because that's you, that's usually something that's happening for them in their lives. Like either, you know, there's a younger sibling on the way or they have friends who have a younger sibling on the way. Like they see people who are pregnant and they're curious about it. Um, 
But I would say, you know, our culture breeds a lot of fear around sex and sexuality and makes it seem like something really dangerous. And we don't want to talk to our kids about something that's really dangerous. So the first thing I would say is that when we're talking about sexuality, we're talking about a lot of things that don't, that connect to sex, but are not sex. So we are talking about things like the human body, which all of us have one, um, and that parts of our human body, uh, eventually, if we choose to, can be important parts of how we express and experience sexuality, like our vulvas and our penises and our testicles and our clitorises and our ovaries and and all of that. Um, but when we're little kids, that's not, that's not how we're discussing it. We're just saying like, these are parts that you have. Um, you know, things like relationships are connected to sex. Things like identity is connected to sex. And so those early conversations are not really anything to do with sex, but understanding those will inform the way that kids will navigate their sexuality later. Uh, consent is another big one. So that's one thing I would say is that I I get where you're coming from, but it's okay. The other thing I would say is that we actually talk to kids and expose kids to things that are quote unquote adult or things that they won't actually engage with really until they're older when they're little. My favorite example of this is driving. You cannot, at least in where I live, you can't get a driver's license until you're 16. Like minimum, that's when you are allowed to legally drive a car. But we don't say, okay, well, we don't want kids driving until they're 16 or possibly older. So until that time, we're never going to talk to them about cars. We're never going to put them in a car. We're never going to let them see a car. We're never going to let them look at a book that has a picture of a car. Uh, If they have questions about cars, we're going to put them off. No, like kids have a lot of exposure to cars and driving and driving culture long before they themselves are going to drive because... As humans, we learn best in increments. Like you can't throw a whole bunch of information at somebody about a topic or an experience that's very complex all at once and then be like, yeah, okay, now you can handle this. The final thing I would say to people who are skeptical and worried is that if you are around kids or you know someone who is around kids, um, we're already teaching them about things to do with sexuality. And so I'm coming back to those things like relationships. If you've ever read your child a story that has a mom and a dad in it, or you've ever let them watch a TV show with a mom and a dad, like even if they're bears or gophers or animals or whatever, you are giving them very early foundational lessons about heterosexuality and what a heterosexual relationship can look like. Um, you know, if you have ever given your child like a gender specific toy or signed them up for a gender specific activity or dress them in gender specific clothing or clothing that we traditionally associate with femininity or masculinity because that's the gender they were assigned at birth, you're teaching them something about gender identity, whether you realize it or not. Um, every time you tell your child that you know, they need to ask before they play with somebody else's toy. You're teaching them something about consent. So that's the last thing I would point out is that in certain areas, we've, we're already doing it and we've been doing it for a long time. And so sex education for younger kids is just sort of expanding on those things that we're already doing.
I would love to know in an ideal scenario, um, what do you think a student leaves school thinking in terms of um, their sexual education? Okay, I love this. So I would love it if kids left school thinking, I feel like my sex education gave me a good solid foundation and a jumping off point from which I can spend the rest of my life being curious and exploring my own sexuality. And now I know that that's okay. I think it's definitely important for kids to leave school knowing about sort of the I guess I would say like sort of the sexual health things like, you know, what are the STIs? How do you reduce your risk? If you're having the kind of sex that may lead to pregnancy and you don't want to be pregnant, how do you reduce your risks of that? If you become pregnant, you know, what are your options around that? So all this, like the biological anatomical stuff is definitely important, but I would also love it if kids left knowing, okay, you know, sex is different for everybody. There are people who maybe are not into sex and that's okay. Sexuality can be fluid. And I mean that in terms of both identity and just what you like to do as a sexual human being and that it's, you know, a different experience for everybody, but that there's nothing that you're into or curious about that no one else on the planet is. So that in that way, you are both unique, but also not alone. And basically just that, yeah, sexuality is a thing that you can continue learning about your entire life and that that's normal and fantastic that you, you, you don't have to know everything about yourself as a sexual person. You don't have to know everything about sex, that a lot of it is not innate. A lot of it is, it is a lot of it is practice. A lot of it is learning. Um, for most people, a lot of things will change throughout the course of their lives. So yeah, I would love it if people left school just feeling like it's okay for me to be curious. It's okay for me to be unsure. It's okay for me to need practice at things. It's okay for some things to be uncomfortable. Um, and also it's okay for me to seek out a seek out sexual experiences that ultimately will make me feel good and will make the people that I may be engaging with sexually feel good. And if I need to take some time to figure out what that is, that's awesome. And that's a thing I can do. Nadine, can you tell us what you are working on currently and what we might expect to see coming out of the important work that you do? Earlier this year, I co-wrote and co-hosted a web series called Sex Ed School. The series is actually aimed towards nine to 12 year olds. But it's something that they can watch with their families or something they can watch with other adults in their lives. But the series is really for the kids. And the premise is that we have a classroom of 9 to 12-year-olds. And uh, we have eight episodes and each one covers a different aspect of sexuality. I mean, a great group of kids who were really open, really candid, really friendly. And it really just sort of gives, you know, kids that age can watch it and relate to it. Um... And they'll know that they're not alone in maybe the questions that they have or the things they're curious about. But I think it's also something really reassuring that adults can watch and they can see how not only like knowledgeable and savvy kids can be around issues that relate to sexuality, but 
also how comfortable that conversation can be. And it doesn't have to be this, you know, precious, super careful, you know, conversation we have in hushed tones at just the right moment. That it's just a conversation like anything else. So recommend checking that out. And we are just starting work on our second season. So I will let people know when that's going to be happening. And people can absolutely go to my YouTube channel. I would love it if they go to my YouTube channel. I've got over 150 videos and I'm always making more. So check that out. And also my Instagram because that's where I will announce where things are happening. And you can find me on all of my platforms, Nadine Thornhill. Or at Nadine Thornhill. Nadine Thornhill everywhere. Just Google me and you'll find me. As promised, we will save you the hard work of Googling, and we're going to link to all of Nadine Thornhill, uh, all of her social media accounts, as well as her website and her YouTube series. Check it out right now. It really is excellent. Thank you so much to Nadine for sharing on this week's episode. Take care.